So church, today we are starting a new series called Sacred Pace, and it's about how we get on pace with God in our decision-making, especially with the major life decisions that we all face. Part of the reason we're starting in Ephesians is because this passage is looking at old life versus new life, and, and that's great, right? We've all seen people that have had transformation, but what we don't often talk about is that part in the middle. How, how do you get from point A to point B? What actions have to happen to make that possible? So that's what we're going to study in this series. Let me pray for us, and we'll study the Word together. <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. We pray that each one of us would slow down long enough to do something good with it. In your name, amen. So I'd like you to imagine that you are 36 years old. (laughs) Some of you laughed. (laughs) Um, You are a multi-millionaire. Some of you laughed more. You own a successful business, a really successful business. You're married. You have two amazing children. You tell people that you're a Christian because you show up at church on Sundays. Everything in your life is rolling right along. And then you have a complete and total nervous breakdown. That is not a life that Terry Looper had to imagine. That is the life that he actually lived. Looper founded an oil company that, it, that was at the top of its class in Houston. And he prided himself on his business acumen, his phenomenal success, his abilities to make and close deals. And for as amazingly successful as he appeared to the entire world, his wife Doris had effectively become a single mom, raising their two daughters with an absentee father. Luber's life had become all consumed with business. He was someone who describes himself as getting high off of negotiating deals and making money, no matter what the cost or who was impacted by it. So he was never home. And he had no idea what was happening in the lives of his children, and he missed years and years of recitals and games and awards. He made all of his decisions, personal and professional, on the fly without consulting anyone else, least of all his wife. And he was on a work pace that was going to lead him to an early grave, albeit a high-end grave. And then, one day, the breakdown came. This wasn't a tamper tantrum. It wasn't an explosive fight with his wife where once things simmered down, things could go back to normal. It wasn't even something like a heart attack. This was a breakdown of such a high level that one gets reduced to nothing and has to start over again. It is a pivotal life moment. And in many ways, it is very similar to that moment when you make the heart decision to follow Jesus. 
In fact, for Looper, who had spent years sitting in church pews, that is exactly what was happening. And I want to make sure that you heard me correctly. Looper went to church for years, and then he came to know the Lord. And he came to follow him. And that decision changed everything about how Looper goes about his life to this very day. The Apostle Paul addresses this in his letter to the people of Ephesus. Right before we get to this part of the passage today, Paul has been telling the people of the church that he started that, that we need to live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called by God. So he goes on and he outlines all of these actions. Here's your before life. Here's your after life. These are things that you were doing before. These are the things we're going to do now. This, is, this happened here. This is going to happen here. He's trying to show the difference. And it's, it's all behaviors and actions, which is all very well and good. When my own father had his first heart attack, the hospital released him with a handy-dandy brochure of all the things that were going to have to be different in his life right then and there. Isn't that convenient? We get these checklists about what we're supposed to be doing to change our lives, but we tend to skip right on over the part about where we are currently. We know where we're, we know where we're supposed to be heading, but where we are currently and, and how exactly do we make this transition to a new life. In, in my dad's case, he'd been a smoker for 40 years, and he has a heart attack, and then all of a sudden, the next day, we have a brochure that says, don't do that anymore. Well, it's not that easy. It's not that easy for most people. They just can't quit cold turkey. There has to be a mechanism of transition. So Paul takes a step back in the passage today, and he essentially throws in a speed bump. And I don't want you to think about this as, as a speed bump like the little ones. I want you to think about it more like a speed table, those ones that are about three feet wide so that they really get your attention. And, and he throws it out there so that before we all just run out the door and we're going to have all these new actions as followers of Christ, that, that we have to stop for a minute and, and really think this through and, and reflect on, on what is God actually asking of us. So Paul writes, Now I affirm and insist on in the Lord, you must no longer live as Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way that you learned in Christ. So Paul instructs the Ephesians not to share in the kind of immoral lifestyle that non-believers follow. The Ephesian Christians were mostly Gentiles in the sense that, that they were non-Jewish. They were not descendants of Israel. So symbolically, the Gentiles mentioned in this context are people who are separated from God. They are unsaved. And, and, and as saved believers, the Ephesians were once spiritual Gentiles, but they're not any longer. And Paul's point here is that believers cannot continue to live as unbelievers and expect to grow in their relationship with God. So we have the Ephesians who have lived a certain way for a very, very long time. And now they're going to live a different way. 
It's hard to make that kind of transition, especially one that is so radical, overnight. I want you to think about this in terms of the concept of tithing, tithing and, and giving. Biblical tithing is at least 10% of your income. Now, let's say that you are someone who for years, maybe your entire life, has put $10 in the plate at Christmas and $10 in the plate at Easter. That's what you've done, that's what you know, that's how it's always been. You have years and years and years of practice with this. And one morning, you wake up and you decide, you know what, I'm going biblical, 10%. We're not even gonna talk net or gross, this is not that sermon. 10%, great, great. But back here on planet Earth, where we, where we live, where we have to be practical about things, going from $20 a year to 10% of your income is a pretty dramatic change for most of us. And it's not just as easy as saying, okay, now, now I'm going to give $6,000 a year. Because that $6,000 has to come from somewhere. So before you can go ahead and, and fully invest in that decision and move forward with it, you got to stop and, and think some things through. Where, where was it going before? Were, were you saving it? Were you spending it on coffee? Were you buying baseball cards? You, you just can't say that you're going to make the change without figuring out how is this going to impact the rest of my daily living. So you need to take that breath, a pause, and reflect before you move forward because going from zero to 160 in seven seconds is great for race car drivers, but that is not a sustainable pace for all of the rest of us. So today's, today we're talking in this series about finding and moving at a sacred pace, at a pace that puts us in it for the long haul. Because if you just continue to act without thinking and taking the time to know your why, why are we doing this, you are going to end up exhausting yourself chasing whims. And yes, that can happen to you even in your life of faith and in ministry. So the goal of finding sacred pace is all about getting yourself to a neutral space so that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can lead you in your decision-making according to God's will and timing. In order to be able to do that, we have to first say that we're not going to make decisions apart from God, which means that we have to get to a place in our lives where we trust God, where we trust that, that God really does want the very best for us. Because you do understand that getting neutral means that you are willing to let go of your opinion your desire, and you are open to being led. So in order to do that, we have to slow down our decision-making under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have to sift through our surface desires and our sinful patterns in order to receive clear, peace-filled answers from the Lord, gain confident assurance that God's answers are his way of filling the true desires that he's placed on our hearts, and we have to grow closer to the one who loves us and knows us best. 
And that's a major speed bump from the way that a lot of us do things. Because most of us, just like I showed the kids, we make rapid fire decisions all day, every day. So this idea of waiting on the Lord and trying to discern what God wants for us is going to take some time. And that's very different from the way that we have always lived. Because, you know, you might think you know what the actions are, the things that need to be done. And when you know that, your temptation is, let's just go, let's just get it done, do it right now. But to have to wait, to have to wait on the Lord is very hard. And getting to neutral allows God to speak into our lives and to clarify the vision that we think that we have about what to do with our time and our money and our energy in the most effective and efficient ways possible. So getting to neutral means that, that making decisions is based far less on what you want in that moment and much more about what God has planned for you for a lifetime. So what does getting neutral look like? Let me give you a very basic example, buying a car. So when we go to buy a car, at, at the very base level, the purpose of a car is to get you from point A to point B. And if we could all agree on that, we would all have the same exact car. We wouldn't have different styles of cars. Everybody would have the same vehicle because we all understand that the real purpose of a car is from point A to point B. But the truth of the matter is, each one of us has our own preferences about the kind of vehicle that we're going to drive. And so we go into the dealership, and you see tons and tons of cars, including the car of your dreams. You want it. You know that you want it. Everyone knows that you want it, including the car salesman, which is not in your favor. But the before Jesus you might go ahead and buy it. I saw it, I want it, I can do it, makes sense, let's just get it right now. But when Jesus comes into your life, having a relationship with him means consulting with him, which, which seems weird, right? What, when was the last time you had a conversation with Jesus about the car that, that you're going to buy? What, what do you think, Jesus? Red? Blue? What, which one? Which one do you think? And usually... Usually what we're looking at is what's going to make us happy in this moment? What is going to fulfill our desires? And so we give in to those temptations. Getting yourself to neutral means holding back that impulse and waiting on God and preparing your heart for whatever God leads you to, whether that is purchasing the car of your dreams or not. So in my case, from the time that I knew that one day I would get to drive a car, my dream car has always been a Jeep Wrangler. Always. It has never, ever, ever changed. I'm very, very specific about this. There have been many times when I have stood on car lots and thought, well, I've got the money. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to get. And my father, because he was a car salesman, he taught me that you never buy the car the first time that you're on the lot. And so every time, every time, the whole history of my life, 
that I've had that moment of today's the Wrangler day, today's the day we're going to do this, I have to walk off the lot. Not because of holy religious reasons, but because that's what my dad taught me, right? And, and every time the same thing happens, I think about it and I'm like, yeah, I, I could get it. But I could also spend this money in a different way. I could bless somebody else with the extra funds. I'm not exactly sure where my family of five is going to sit. Nobody's taking any luggage when we go anywhere. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And inevitably, I end up in a different direction. My life, by the way, is not ruined. I still have a vehicle. It still gets me from point A to point B. But in this case, I am able to do other things, things that things that I don't even take into consideration when thinking about buying a Jeep Wrangler that are made possible because I stepped back. I stepped back and got to see a bigger picture of what is going on. And that's going to happen to all of us on some level because on a higher level, getting neutral is about getting to that place where God can lead your next step. So perhaps it's going to be something like the decision to have another child or to start a new business, or to expand the one that you have, or to change jobs, or to move into a retirement community. These are big life decisions. And when those opportunities arise, especially ones that right on the surface look great and amazing and awesome, the temptation is to just run with them and hope for the best. Run with it, hope for the best. But if we slow down just long enough to run these things by God, we discovered that we don't have to go hoping for the best. We're going to get the best, even if it's not exactly what we thought we wanted originally. For surely, says Paul, you've heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The challenge for the people of Ephesus and for most of us is that although we will all face big life transitions and we will all look for new ways of being, very few of us slow down long enough to see how God wants to move in our lives through those transitions. We are very used to making rapid-fire decisions that we can quickly justify at the time. But then we start rolling along so fast that sometimes we get 30 miles down the road in the wrong direction before we realize that we have to regroup. That's the way of our old life. And that was the way of Terry Looper's life. He was so driven by money that he would make all of his business deals all week long without the slightest thought or concern for any relationship in his life, the one with his wife, with his children, with his God. And then he'd punch in on Sunday mornings, put in his time, and go right back to his business. And lest we all think that Terry stands alone in this behavior, consider some of the biggest decisions in your life. Buying a car, buying a home, having children, moving, getting married, choosing a career, switching jobs, serving on boards or committees. How many times in those decisions have you 
honestly gone to Jesus to seek out his wisdom. And I'm not talking about when you've already decided what you want to do and you just check in with Jesus to make sure that he's going to sign off on what you've already decided on. I'm, I'm talking about taking that time to get to that neutral place where you say to the Lord, okay, here's the opportunity in front of me. God, I, I like it. I, I want to do it. But I need you to guide me on this. I need you to help me to make the decision that is going to most honor you and, and the relationships in my life. Slowing yourself down enough to give the Holy Spirit that time, that space to speak into your life and to the, about the decisions that you're going to make. So here in Ephesians, Paul is writing about all these different facets of our life before Christ. And there are people in this congregation who can tell you and can get up and give fabulous testimony about what life was like before Jesus and what life has been since they came to know the Lord. But what we fail to talk about is how we go about making those life changes that don't happen overnight and how we go about building sustainable practices that hold us to a sacred pace that allow us to walk with the Lord our whole lives long. So when Paul writes, you were taught, you were taught to put away the former ways of your life, what we discover is, is maybe actually what we've done is we've passed out brochures to everybody and said, now this is what we're all supposed to do. The plan for the weeks ahead is to go back and, and to do that teaching that's going to equip every one of us to get to neutral in order that we can move forward at God's sacred pace. So for this week, I want you to take a deep breath and know that becoming a new person in Christ has very little to do with your speed as much as it does with your transformation. Let's pray together. Lord God, we confess that all of us have made decisions. Every one of us has made decisions where the last thing that we thought about was to consult you. We just weren't interested in your opinion because we were so certain, so sure that we knew what we were doing. We pray that in the weeks ahead, you would help us to get to neutral, to get to that space where, although we're still always going to have wants and desires and temptations, we're willing to lay that before you and willing to receive your guidance for us, knowing that whatever we think is the best is always made better in you. In your name we pray. Amen.